everyone, and welcome back to Katie's Christmas Movie Countdown. We're on episode 22. It's almost Christmas. We're almost done. And I'm joined here today with Regina. Hey. And we watched Love Actually Woo. from 2003. So this movie is fucking great if you haven't seen it before. If you enjoy rom-coms at all, this is like the pinnacle of rom-coms. Yes. This is the most <laughs> romantic comedy version of a rom-com that exists in, in life there's like 10 different stories happening all at once there's a whole bunch of different characters um that you're keeping track of as it's going on it's very similar to the holiday with a lot more people right uh the plot is not really similar but it's similar in that there's a bunch of different characters all interwoven and like related to each other in some way that are all telling this story of love each individual couple's story of love now this movie is two hours and 15 minutes long so it is kind of a long haul but there's so much happening that you don't notice that it's that long because every you know five or six minutes it switches to someone else's story or they come across another character for like from another storyline like the main characters well that's too hard because there's like 15 main characters (laughs) but like Alan Rickman is in this film, and he's married to Emma Thompson, and Emma Thompson's brother is Hugh Grant, who is the The prime Prime minister, Minister, and he's in love with someone else, and she lives next door to uh, Alan Rickman's assistant, and it's just, like, this constant, like, stream of how everyone is intertwined with each other, how they're friends, and how they're related, and how they work with each other, and all of that, and it's really, really cool way too hard to explain without yeah. like I need a flow chart I know to try it's and almost like a six degrees of separation like, it really to is out. yeah it really is so the only people who aren't like actually related in this film to everyone else's storyline are Bill Nighy's character mm-hmm. um Billy Mac and his manager they're the only people whose overarching storyline doesn't have anything to do with any of the other characters in the film but he weirdly is part of every other story because of he's a musician so he creates this christmas song and throughout the entire movie all the rest of the characters are interacting with this christmas song like they're seeing it on tv or they're listening to it on the radio so he's ever present in all of their different stories but he's not actually like he doesn't know any of them personally so this story is really complex because of how many people and how many stories are in it but basically, it's just 15 people or 20 people or however many people are in this film. And all of them have a love story going on. Like, right. the little kid is in love with uh, another little kid at his school. Right. All the adults are, like, in love with someone or dealing with, like, marriage problems or... Yeah, like, whether it's a blossoming love or a love that's kind of yeah. coming to an end. Yeah, it's all... It's really, really good. So if you like rom-coms, please, please, please check this out. Now, I'm going to run off the most random facts about a film that I've ever encountered because there's so many famous people in this film. There wasn't just going to be like 10 facts. There's like a whole bunch of facts. Okay, so Chris Marshall, the guy who played Colin Frizzle, uh, he returned his paycheck for the scene where the three American girls undress him, like the shadowy figures. He said it was such, he had such a great time having three girls undress him for 21 takes that he was willing to do it for free and returned his check completely for that day. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So he was, oh 
So he was like, it's all right. You don't have to pay me because you basically just let a bunch of hot girls pawn over me all day. Wow. The lake in which Lucia Moniz and Colin Firth are swimming in was actually only 18 inches deep. And they had to kneel down to pretend to be in deeper water. So when he falls in that water, he's basically (laughs) falling on his face. Because it's only like 18 inches deep. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um... It was also overrun by mosquitoes, and Colin Firth was so badly bitten that his elbow swelled up to the size of an avocado, and he needed medical attention. Wow. Yeah, so this was really a labor of love. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Colin Firth couldn't work for this film. The airport footage at the beginning and the end of the film is completely real. Uh, Richard Curtis, who directed the film, had a team of cameramen film at Heathrow Airport for a whole week, and whenever they saw something that would fit with their love theme, they asked the people involved for permission to use the footage, and that's basically where it came from. Nice. So there's an entire montage at the beginning of the movie um, that's just clips of people being reunited with their loved ones at Heathrow Airport, and it's just kind of an introduction to how love affects us at the holidays. And then at the end of the film, there's the same montage, but they add in all the characters from the movie reuniting with their loved ones or whatever, and mm-hmm. then they throw in like hundreds of other videos that they put in and it all makes this beautiful montage that makes up a heart in the credits. Right. It's really, really cool. Yeah. Um, the idea for Mark's surprise band singing All You Need of All You Need Is Love at Peter and Juliet's wedding came from Jim Henson's funeral, which the director Richard Curtis attended, where all the puppeteers brought their Muppets and sang a song in wow. dedication to Jim Henson. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, Olivia Olsen, who plays Joanna, the little girl, Sam's crush, mm-hmm. does all her own singing in the All I Want for Christmas is You scene at the Christmas concert. Right. She had such an amazing voice, even at 12, that the director, Richard Curtis, had it edited so that it sounded more like a child singing. Like, nice. she sounded so great at 12, they were like, <laughs> mm, this isn't believable that yeah. that's a 12-year-old, so we're going to have to edit you. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Thomas Brody Sangster, who plays Sam, didn't know how to play the drums when he was cast, but luckily for him, his dad, Mark Sangster, plays the drums and taught him how to play. Nice. So throughout the filming of this film, he he actually is learning how to play from start to finish, and it is him playing at the end. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. At 18, Keira Knightley was only five years older than Thomas Brody Sangster, who plays Sam in the movie. In real life. Like, she was 18 when she filmed this movie, and he was only 13, so they were only five years apart. Like, they pretty much could have gone to the same school at the time of this filming, even though she plays, like, a grown-ass adult who's getting married in the film. Right. Oh, where is it? Um, A decade later, he was cast in Game of Thrones and asked to play a 13-year-old, even though he was, like, in his (laughs) mid-20s. So, so yeah, kind of a mess, but he just has one of those faces that never really ages, and he's just always perpetually young. Right. So, yeah, he was cast as a 13-year-old in Game of Thrones. Wow. Ten years later. <laughs> in the version that was edited and broadcast in the U.S. on the ABC Family Channel, the entire subplot of John and Just Judy, the porn characters... Mm-hmm. Were, is completely edited out. They took the whole thing out and were like, we're not even going to put in their love story. They're not even parts of the film. Yeah. So they cut their entire thing out. And even with those cuts and some other additional cuts that they made to the film, the film still ran three hours with commercials in it. What? So there was 45 minutes of commercials 
more than 45 minutes of commercials in this broadcast of it because, wow. like, they cut out all the porn scenes. Yeah. So, uh, the movie's only 2.15 with the porn scenes, and then they cut all of that out. So, who even knows? Gosh. Right? Such a freaking mess. <clears throat> so, Thomas Brody Sangster, who plays Sam, is the second cousin once removed of Hugh Grant, who plays the Prime Minister. So, they're oh. actually related in real life, even though in this movie they're not related in any way. Wow. Uh, Richard Curtis was originally working on two films, one about Hugh Grant's character and the other about Colin Firth's character. When the plots turned out to be so similar, he merged them into one film and it became Love Actually. So he was going to make two rom-coms and then just put them together and was like, fuck it, we'll just have a crazy rom-com. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Olivia Olsen, now Regina knows this one because she told this to me years and years ago. Olivia Olsen, who plays Joanna, would go on to play another love interest of Thomas Brody Sangster, who plays Sam, in the television show Phineas and Ferb, yes. where Sangster voices Ferb, who barely talks, oh, right. and uh, <laughs> where Olivia Olsen plays the voice of Vanessa, who is his love interest in the show. And it's pretty fucking great. If you don't yes. watch Phineas and Ferb, you definitely should. If you like cartoons, it's pretty great. It is fantastic. Hugh Grant hated the dancing scene. Because he didn't think a prime minister would do something like that. Even though that, that scene is now like one of the most iconic scenes in this film. Yeah. And is shown all the time of him just dancing like an idiot. Yeah. Hmm. This movie has several stars from Harry Potter. It has Emma Thompson, who plays Professor Trelawney. Mm-hmm. It has Alan Rickman, who plays Severus Snape. And it has Bill Nahi, who plays Rufus Scrim- Scrimmagevore. I don't know how to say his <laughs> last name. The prime minister of... Or the Minister of Magic yeah. in one of the later Harry Potters. Six? Uh, seven? I don't know. Somewhere at the end, towards the end. Seven, one, I want to say. Seven, one, and he then he gets Bill's killed. Wedding. Bill's wedding. Bill and... Is it Bill's wedding? Charlie's wedding? wedding. Charlie's Sorry, wedding. Charlie's wedding. No, Bill and Floor. Bill. It's it Bill's, Bill's wedding. wedding. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait. <laughs> I promise we really like Harry Potter. We're not just dumb. We just haven't watched the films in a while. Sorry about it. Um... Yeah, so there's the three of them who were all in the Harry Potter films. And then Hugh Grant was supposed to be Gilderoy Lockhart, but he had to drop out due to scheduling conflicts. So there was potentially Mm -hmm. four people. And I also read that Hugh Grant's character, the Prime Minister, was initially offered to Michael Gambon, who ended up being Dumbledore, and couldn't do it because he was filming Prisoner of Azkaban. So, yeah, this, you know, Britain, (laughs) if you watch anything from Britain... It's basically like the same 20 people just recycled over and over and over again. Right. Like Sherlock is filled with people that you've seen in a million other things. Doctor Who is filled with a bunch of people you've seen in a million yeah. other things. Like everything in Britain, they just recycle the same 30 people and it's fantastic, but it's a really easy way to do like six degrees of separation because they're in everything together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They had a like a list in the trivia thing about how many things... Um, Emma Thompson and Hugh Grant had been in, and it was just, mm-hmm. like, bullet, bullet, list, bullet, bullet. Like, a huge list. Yeah, just not not necessarily characters that in, even interacted with each other in anything, but they were just in a whole bunch of films together, like, or at the same time because, or right. in the same films together because it's Britain. Right. Three actors uh, have since starred together in Nanny McPhee. It came out two years after this film, and it starred Thomas Brody Sangster, who played Sam, Colin Firth, who played... I don't know what his name was, the writer, and Emma Thompson, who plays Snape's wife, basically. 
Uh, Hugh Grant, weirdly, is exactly one day older than Colin Firth. Oh. Yeah, so Hugh Grant's birthday is September 9th, 1960, and Colin Firth's birthday is September 10th, 1960. Wow. So, that was freaking weird. <laughs> Uh, Liam Neeson's character, Daniel, is a widower trying to get over the death of his wife. Uh, Neeson himself became a widower six years later in 2009 after his wife died in a skiing accident, which was really, really sad. Yeah. At his wife's funeral, Liam Neeson says that his wife wanted him to bring Claudia Schiffer as his date to the funeral. Later, she appears as a future love interest for him. She's one of the other kids, like moms. And for her one-minute cameo, Claudia Schiffer received a reported 200,000 pounds sterling, roughly 300,000 U.S. dollars. Insane. For a minute. $300,000 for one single minute of film. That's fucking (laughs) insane. So this movie has three Oscar winners in it, Colin Firth, Emma Thompson, and Billy Bob Thornton, and four Oscar nominees, Liam Neeson, Keira Knightley, Chuidal Ejiofor, and Laura Linney. Like, this film is packed with famous stars. Even if you didn't watch it, like, when it came out in 2003, or you didn't really recognize a lot of the faces in 2003, since 2003, everyone in this film has gone on to do something huge. Significant. Yeah. Yeah. Like, insanity. And my last bit of fun fact is that Rodrigo Santoro, who plays Carl in this film, which is Laura Linney's, like crush the guy she's super crushing on Mm -hmm. um he also played xerxes in the film 300 and its sequel rise of the 300 that came out like in 2014 but nobody watched that so that (laughs) part doesn't matter but 300 was a masterpiece and he was xerxes that was a thing (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah so he played xerxes and watching this film it's really weird because you can't it was really hard for us to see him yeah. As Xerxes, like we're watching him in the scene where <laughs> she invites him over and he goes up to her bedroom and he, they like are about to have sex and he gets undressed and looking at him there un- like with his shirt off and just like his glasses off, it's so hard to see that becoming Xerxes mm-hmm. because Xerxes like Xerxes spends most of the movie bald and shirtless like the dude right. never wears a shirt so you would think that his torso and everything would look the same but mm-hmm. it like he transforms completely into Xerxes and does not look anything like his actual self. Yeah. It is so freaking weird. I was looking at pictures of Xerxes and was like, how is that the same guy? Yeah, it's nuts. freaking weird. I kind of feel the same way about, uh, oh gosh, what's her name? In the Pirates movies, she is Calypso, um, but she's also Miss Moneypenny in like the new... 007 oh yeah, movies. yeah, yeah, yeah. I I will never remember her name, but I know no, who you're talking but about. Yeah, like her transformation too. It's like she doesn't even look like the same person. Yeah. In that movie either, and the you know like yeah, it's like crazy. Makeup is insane. It is. But like Xerxes doesn't. I feel like Xerxes wasn't wearing a ton of makeup. But when you look at pictures of like his character Carl in this film mm-hmm. and Xerxes in the other film, mm-hmm. it's like his entire jawline has changed, yeah. which is really odd because usually as men get older, their jawlines get wider mm-hmm. and more square. And his, I feel like his did the opposite. It was only like three years or so between the two films and his jaw somehow got more pointy. Like it became more of a point rather yeah. than being a square. Yeah. It was very weird. All right, so who is your favorite character in this film? There's like 30 to choose from. I know. So. I really 
really enjoy like the prime minister, like his, like Hugh Hugh Grant's character, story, character and just storyline and like, um, like the way he portrays his his character, his prime yeah. minister. You know, is like a very yeah. honest, young you know, and fun, uh, but yeah, yeah, also tough and honest. Yeah, yeah. I think he's probably, I don't know, probably one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. My favorite character is Sam. Uh, because he's so determined to show Joanna that he loves her. Yes. He, like, learns how to play the drums for her. <laughs> he, like, sits down with his stepdad, Liam Neeson, and they go over this whole, like, you know, they watch Titanic and they talk about all these deep feelings that you don't usually get to see boys talking about in films, even now. Like, it's been, what, 16 years since this movie came out? Yeah. And even now, like, I can't really name... Very many other films where little boys are talking about, you know, their crushes or their feelings with their parent. Mm-hmm. And I really, really like his whole story. He's, yeah. like, determined. He has to let her know that she's number one in his eyes. Yeah. And he, like, runs through a whole airport for her and, like, breaks <laughs> all these laws. And it's just cute. Like, yeah. little kid love is pretty freaking adorable. It is, it is awesome. Who is your least favorite character? Um... That's secretary. Oh, I said the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Alan Rickman's slut of an assistant. Yeah. Ugh. She can go jump off a cliff. Right? She's the fucking worst. <clears throat> yeah, Don't be a just, hoe, people. Yeah, Don't awful. be a hoe. If you know someone is married, back the fuck away from them. That right? is, get away from it. Right? They're claimed. It's off limits. <laughs> they are claimed. Even if they're not married, but you know they're in a relationship, get the fuck out. Real. Do not be a homewrecker. She was awful. She was awful. And just didn't even care. No, like, she didn't give any fucks. Yeah. She'd been working there for like two days and she was like, what do you want for Christmas? I don't care as long as it's something pretty. Mm-hmm. Bitch. Uh, no, you get a fucking stapler. Right? <laughs> like, you work in an office. You're my assistant. I've known you for two days. I don't care how slutty you dress. You're getting a stapler. Like, maybe a gift card to, like, Burger King. Like, right. Sorry, right. I don't like you. <laughs> yeah, no. Fucking she, mess. Ugh. Yeah. All right, what is your favorite scene in this film? I think, I mean, back to Hugh Grant. I really like, uh, I don't know if this is multiple scenes or all one, but, like, when he reads uh, Natalie's Christmas card mm-hmm. and then, like, goes to, like, figure out oh, where goes she to find is. Her? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you see him, like, knock on all these people's doors, and, like, um, at one point, he gets to the door with the little girls that answer, yeah. and they, you know, ask him to sing a Christmas carol, um, and he starts, and then his, his, he calls him his copper, his driver comes in, um, and starts to sing, and it's, like, all beautiful, and, like, <laughs> he's, like, rolling his arms. Yeah, and, his like... driver came out of nowhere with that beautiful bass voice. It was so good. Yeah, so he's, like, turns around, and, like, looking at him, like, whoa, dude, you know? It's yeah. just, like, hilarious to me, but, like, um, I don't know, I'm a sucker for, like, those, like, you know, when two loves meet, and they have that moment, like, okay, we're here, we got it, you know, like, yeah. let's figure this out. Um, so like when he finally gets to her door and he's all nervous and like, you know, that all happens. Like I, I really enjoy that whole chunk of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mine's kind of two scenes that combine into one because they happen one right after the other. I love the Christmas play, Mm -hmm. um, because you get to see all the kids in the film, like do their thing, but you also get to see like Natalie and 
Hugh Grant's character or the Prime Minister like work their thing out and at the same time see all the other side characters or characters in the film in the audience and how they relate to each other. Yeah. Like they finally all come together and all are in the same place. Yeah. Doing, or a lot of them anyways, are all there. Like, and you get to see their little interpersonal relationships. Mm -hmm. And then the scene right after that where they go to the airport and Sam runs through the airport and jumps through a bunch of security hoops to go tell Joanna that he loves her. Like, I love that scene and I love the tie-in. And when he, when Liam Neeson meets Claudia Schiffer, like, that's fucking great, too. Like, that whole, it's like three little scenes at the end, or three scenes at the end, I guess, combined. But the whole ending of this film, I absolutely love. Yeah, for sure. What about the music of this film? What'd you think? Um, I think I enjoyed it. There are a few songs that I was like, meh, you know, but... I think that it fits, it all fits really well. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I noticed more of like the uh, soundtracky side of it, mm-hmm. like, um, you know, artists that have come in and sang or. Oh, the contemporary? They, yeah, yeah. The contemporary use. soundtrack. Um, and I don't know, it. I noticed that more than like the orchestral. Yeah, you know why you notice that more? Because the orchestral soundtrack is literally one song that is repeated over and over and over again. <laughs> oh, yeah. Again. So, the... so they created one theme. Whoever, I don't know who did the music for this film. And it's a really good theme. Mm-hmm. But basically they created a love theme. And then every time any character interacts with their love interest, they play that same theme. Mm. So you're listening to pretty much the same song throughout. Gotcha. Uh, this like classical song throughout and it just like gets longer and more robust i guess depending on the scene like at the beginning it's very tame and muted Mm -hmm. um and just like little hints that the love scene is happening when each person is like talking about their love interest or interacting with their love interest for the first time and at the end it's like big and sweeping like when sam runs to the airport it's this big huge sweeping version of the song and when Hugh Grant is knocking on all the different doors or when Colin Firth is walking through the village with fucking the whole village behind him trying to get to Aurelia. Like right. Each each scene, it's like big, bigger and more sweeping as it gets yeah. to the like... Like a variation on that same... Yeah, as it gets piece. to the pinnacle of the love story. I really liked the contemporary soundtrack. The soundtrack is probably half Christmassy and the other half not Christmassy. Mm-hmm. So they do a really good job of blending in the Christmas feel to make sure that you are always aware that it's Christmas. Right. Um, and at the same time, they blend in these sad songs as these sad moments are happening. Mm-hmm. Like when uh, Laura Linney's character takes a call from her brother and has to basically give up on Carl right. and just shuts that down is really sad and they play this really sad song. Like they play um, Kelly Clarkson's The Trouble With Love yeah, Is yeah. and throughout they play a bunch of different themes like that to really drive the emotion of the film. And then overarching in the entire film, Bill Nahi's character has this song. I guess he had a song when he was younger and really famous called uh, Love is All Around Us. And it's like, love is all around us. Let the feelings show or whatever. And he fucking changes it for Christmas and changes the word love to Christmas every time he says it in the song. And it becomes this Christmas song that they hear throughout the entire story. And I fucking love that song. (laughs) It's so good. Like, it's so stupid. (laughs) 
but also so good. Like it's so good. I sing if it. You really love Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Come on and let it snow. Yes. yes, it's fucking great and it's funny. And Sarah and Regina and I sing it all the time to each Fantastic. other. Fantastic. Because we're nerds and we love love actually. Yeah. <laughs> and Christmas time. So, yeah, it's pretty good. Okay, what about the feels? Where did you get all the feelings in this film? I think I got most of the feels when, like, Jamie was, like, proposing to Aurelia. Or he, Mm -hmm. like, gathered this whole crowd or, like, had this whole crowd behind him, like, backing him to, you know, make this happen. Like, to ask her to marry him. And um, when he's giving his speech in in the cafe or restaurant, you know, and he's, like, stumbling over his... Uh, what language that was Portuguese it was Portuguese okay he's like stumbling over his Portuguese and like but it's still like such an endearing moment and like when she like responds to him yeah in English it's like you know there were like these barriers there but then they like both they broke down to be together so they took the time to like to yeah, learn like, each other's language yeah, yeah and just it, it was just like just such a beautiful thing because like earlier in the movie he's like with this chick who's like cheating on him and like treating him awfully you know yeah with and his to, own brother i know gross. right Ugh. and to like see that like see him get to that at the end with such you know what seems like such a beautiful person because you don't really know much about aurelia yeah but like i it just to me it like brings a little, you know, tear when, like, everybody erupts in applause and, yeah. like, is cheering him on and stuff. Like, I, th- I think that's awesome. Yeah. I really like the emotion in this film throughout. There's, like, good feels and bad feels. Mm-hmm. Like, the moment when, what's her name? When Emma Thompson's character oh my unwraps her Christmas CD. Yes. And Oof. she just, like, realizes that Alan Rickman's character is cheating on her and bought the necklace for someone else and she has to like go in the other room and just have a minute to herself away from the kids mm-hmm. to deal process her emotions and she just like breaks down in tears like that is heartbreaking and yeah she does it so well it's so well done right there and then um the funeral mm-hmm. um for Liam Neeson's wife is really sad but it's like it's sad and also happy in the way because he said in the speech that he gives that they had had a lot of time to plan for her death and to plan for the funeral. So they kind of made like a joke of it. The song that they play, Bye Bye Baby, mm-hmm. was like kind of joking and made everyone kind of giggle in it. But it was still like you could see it on Liam Neeson's face. It was really, really hard for him. Right, right. And he's just like Liam Neeson's character in this film is completely different from any other character that you've ever seen Liam Neeson play. Yeah. Like, he's not Qui-Gon Jinn. He's not the guy from Taken. He's not, like, an insane badass. He's just this really vulnerable, hurt guy because his wife died. Mm -hmm. And later, like, after the funeral, Emma Thompson's character comes over because they're, like, BFFs or whatever. And he's talking to her, and he just breaks down. He's like, I can't. I don't know what to do anymore without my wife. And... That was really good. And then there's a whole bunch of, like, basically all the other couples besides uh, Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson get a happy ending. And all of their individual storylines are really happy and, like, cute. Yeah. With the exception, I think, of um, Homegirl from The Office. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Laura Linney character. Yeah. I forgot about her. She gets shafted but yeah, that's it's all of her own that, yeah her okay she is a close second for me for least favorite character in this film mm-hmm. um i 
I do think Laura Linney did a really good job at portraying her character. I just feel like, I don't know, it was really sad to watch. Right. Because, like, most people probably, I mean, at least I know people who have um, siblings or family members who are mentally deficit, who have mental deficits. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've seen the toll that it can take on people and all of that. But at some point, you have to make sure that you're taking care of yourself mentally and emotionally. And it was very clear in this film that she was not. Laura Linney's character is not taking care of herself. She's not allowing herself enough distance from her brother to really cope with everything that's happening. And give herself space to be her own person. Mm -hmm. And like... Yes, Carl, like, she's been in love with Carl or whatever, and sleeping with Carl would have been, like, a really cool fling for her. But besides that, like, she didn't need to sleep with him. She just needed to, like, I don't know, not take one of her brother's calls, like, once in that film. And her character would have had an extreme amount of growth. Instead, she ends up bending at the beck and call of her brother every time he, like, calls her. And it's really heartbreaking. Because he... It's not like he didn't have the care. Yeah. You know? Yeah, he like, was in a facility to take care of him. and right. But she's still, like... She feels guilty because her parents aren't around anymore. And, right, like, she has right. to be the one to take care of him. Yeah. And it's... It's really heartbreaking. Situations. Her her storyline is particularly heartbreaking because of that. Because mm-hmm. she doesn't see what's right in front of her. Like, and that she needs to take care of herself. Right, right. Yeah, so her character was a lot. So besides her story and uh, Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson's story, everyone else ended up with a happy ending, and each one of their individual happy endings kind of gives you that happy feeling. Like, oh, yay, they worked it out. Like when Sam and Joanna kiss, or when Joanna kisses Sam on the cheek, like Mm -hmm. it's really cute. When um, Natalie and the Prime Minister kiss, it's like each little person, when the the two porn guys like end up... (laughs) On a, you find out they got married, got married yeah. and they're going on their honeymoon. Like that's super cute. Yeah, yeah. If you want to see uh, Bilbo Baggins <laughs> fucking <laughs> pretend like be a stand-in for a porn, definitely watch this film. That's a weird thing to want, but you do you, man. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What about memories for this film? Do you have any memories watching this film? We kind of talked about one earlier, but anytime that song comes up, I, I do think about you and Sarah. Oh, yeah, just, for sure. Yeah, like... This movie makes me think <laughs> of Sarah and Regina nonstop. I just, yeah, I freaking love it. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> and we, we like, will all during Christmas time, we will make fun of this song to each other. Yeah. Like, no matter what's happening in our lives or where we're at, we... we Whenever we're talking about Christmas, it'll be like, if you really love Christmas, it's just fucking ridiculous. Yes. It's so, so stupid. All right. Seven word synopsis. Um, so, I don't know. I, I came up with something, but yeah. So I think it's funny, sometimes heartbreaking British Christmas romantic comedy. Very nice. Mouthful. Very nice. Yeah. <laughs> so I came up with uh, four. <laughs> I came up with a lot. My first one is 15 celebs walk into a rom-com. Yes. Because that's, <laughs> that's like basically what this movie is. 
<laughs> like pack every famous British person you can into this romantic comedy and just see what happens. Yes. And it's fucking great. Uh, my second one is Snape cheats on Trelawney with slutty assistant. Because that's what happens. Kid becomes a drummer to impress girl. Nice. And then um, Andrew Lincoln plays a creepy stalker. Gross. <laughs> yes. Andrew Lincoln's character True. is fucking dirty as shit. Uh, it's a mess. Like, do not hit on your best friend's wife. Period. Right. If you have feelings for your best friend's, like, girlfriend or whatever, tell her immediately. Don't wait till they're fucking married and be like, oh, yeah. And then wait for her to, like, I don't know, reciprocate or right. whatever. Whatever right. he was trying to do with those cue cards. Ugh. Like, that's the scene in this film that always gets shown. Like, when people think of love, actually, they think of the scene with the cue cards. So, um, Andrew Lincoln's character writes out his fucking feelings for Kira Knightley's character. And he goes to her doorstep and is like, oh, yeah, tell your husband it's carolers. And he puts on some fucking carol music with a boombox. <laughs> And then proceeds to, like, pour his heart out. Like, tell her how much he loves her and how perfect she is. Right. And it's like, who the fuck does that? Like, right. it's your best friend. Don't yeah. be that guy. Like, if you got feelings for someone who's in another relationship, like, tell them before they get married. Mm-hmm. Just at least put it out there so that you can know. I don't know. Or don't. Don't say anything. Ever. Either tell them early on before it's so serious that it's leading towards marriage, mm-hmm. or don't tell them at all and just keep shut the yourself. fuck up. Well, it seemed like he was trying to keep it to himself, but like she she like, stumbled upon, in and yeah, like yeah, I was like, I want to see this video. Yeah, that was pretty fucked up. Of her. Yeah, I was like, dude. But in reality, like he's the one that made that video, and like yeah, and it was super creepy, and you could tell that it had already been edited. Like he had already gone through and edited uh, the shit out of that film, yeah, to make it like cohesive yeah. of all the weird shots of and zoom ins of her. Oh my god, learn how to zoom out, bro. <laughs> it was so weird. It was very. All right, so what do you think was the budget of this film? I'm gonna say two seventy five, two hundred seventy five million. Ooh, that's a lot of money. <laughs> that's a lot of people in this. There were a lot of people in this. <laughs> I'm going to guess the people in this film just got paid in, like, I don't know, movie tickets? Because this film only cost them $45 million. What? Yeah, and I read that most of the money for this film was spent on the sets that um, were supposed to be, like, the airport. So there's, like, two scenes in the film. So it's, like, the... The film at the beginning, where, like, all the people are meeting at Heathrow, like, that's mm-hmm. real footage from Heathrow. Right. And then the scene where um, Sam runs through the airport to get to Joanna, that's also actually Heathrow Airport. All the other scenes where they were at the airport, where, like, people were coming on and off planes and whatever, was all built. And oh, wow. is where they spent a whole bunch of their money. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, when... That's nothing. Right? For how many fucking famous people are in this right? film? Right? Even if you paid every single celebrity in this film only a million dollars, that's half your budget. Like, you're down to $25 million. That is nuts. <laughs> yeah, so, everyone. So, this film only costs $45 million. How much money do you think it made? Uh, I don't know. Let's go with $200 million. Much closer this time. All right. <laughs> <clears throat> So, box office, this movie made $248.5 million, which is quite a bit of money. Like, it made five times its money, basically. It crushed it. This has been one of the greatest rom-coms of 
at least my lifetime. Yeah, I don't. Agreed. I haven't watched a lot of stuff <laughs> like prior to 1985 or so. Mm-hmm. So I don't know a lot of like the 70s rom-coms. Yeah. But as far as like the 80s, 90s, and 2000s and 2010s go, like when you talk about rom-coms, this is one of the first ones that everybody lists. Yeah. Like because there's so many people in it, there's so many intricate like love stories happening. And even though it's Christmassy and a movie that's always associated with Christmas, everyone still talks about it during rom-com season, like right, in February. Right. Like, everyone's got to watch it around Valentine's Day, even though it's about Christmas, because it's so iconic. Yeah. Oh, man. This film is so good. <laughs> so, like we said, you need to watch this film. Yeah, if you haven't, If you haven't seen it in a long time, I definitely recommend a rewatch. If you have never seen it... If you like rom-coms at all, you need to watch this film. Like, it is so fucking good. And it's got everybody in it. Like, it's got um, Alan Rickman, Emma Thompson, Liam Neeson, Thomas Brody Sangster. It's got Hugh Grant. Mm -hmm. It's got... Chiwetel Ejiofor. Yeah, Chiwetel Ejiofor. Oh, my gosh. Martin Freeman. It's got... (laughs) (laughs) It's got so many people in it. Bill Nighy. Oh, I didn't. Bill Nighy. And... Like, a whole... Yes. Tons of people. Like, go check this film out. If you're a fan of any of those actors, go see this film. Or go rent this film. Yes, go Find check it somewhere. It out. Check it out. It's so freaking good. I think it's on Netflix? Oh, I don't know. Netflix? Maybe. I don't know. We have... I have the DVD, so I, <laughs> I have no idea. But check it out. You can... I'm sure you are able to rent it on Amazon yeah. or buy it on Amazon because it's fucking great. Check out this movie. Uh, it's only two hours and 15 minutes. It's not that long, and it goes really quick. Please, 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 please watch this film. As always, thank you so much for listening. Uh, can't wait until we see you again tomorrow. We're getting closer and closer to Christmas, so we're almost done with the Christmas movie countdown. Hooray! Woo! Follow us on Twitter at AllentownPod, or email us at AllentownPresents at gmail.com. And don't forget, you can find us anywhere where podcasts are listened to. Make sure you tell all your friends to check us out. And we will talk to you later. Thank you. Love you. Bye.